Gaylord. I mean the hope, Gaylord, the hope. Do I see Ron back there? Hey, Ron. UP people aren't different than trolls. That's right. I remember Ron said that, you know, we were on presbyter boards and, and people were saying, well, you know, it's different up north. Everything's different. The people are different up there. Everything's different up there. Making excuses for their failure. And Ron was sitting there and he said, I'm from the UP and people are not different up there. We're all the same. People are people. Every people needs Jesus. God bless you, Norm and uh, Barb, wherever, wherever Norm went. Pastor Norm, there he is. Don't you love Pastor Norm? He is, you know, when I say somebody is an old shoe, that's a compliment. They don't know that in Lansing. They think I'm putting somebody down. But an old shoe is you just feel comfortable around the guy. He's so non-judgmental, non-condemning, non-critical, easygoing. He loves people, but he tells the truth. He's going to tell people like me. You see, I believed all the right things. I, when I was 15, when I was 12, I was confirmed. I knew all the right things. I could quote the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer and Psalm 23 and John 3.16. I could quote that. I believed in God the Father Almighty. I believed in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. I believed that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Blessed Virgin. I believed that. I believed He lived a sinless life. I believed He died on the cross vicariously for your sin, my sin, the sin of the world. And I believe he was raised from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and he's coming back again. You believe that, don't you? I believe that, and believing that, I would have gone to the regions of the damned if my heart were to quit beating. The reason is I had orthodoxy, but I didn't have any orthopraxy. There's a difference. Orthodoxy is correct doctrine. Orthopraxy is practicing that correct doctrine. And there are many out there, they can quote, you must be born again, but they're not born again. They have got orthodoxy, but no orthopraxy. And I thank God somebody like Norm came along and told me, I must be born again and you have to confess Jesus publicly for him to confess you in heaven before the Father and all the angels. And I remember I got convicted. I, I wasn't convicted in most places I went, but I got convicted when I took them to Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California, and Chuck Smith preached a message from Daniel chapter 2, verse by verse. It was the longest sermon I've ever heard in my life. And he asked how many would like to receive. I, I raised my hand. And you would have thought I caught a football. People started tackling me. Praise the Lord, brother. God bless you, brother. God bless you, brother. And get a Bible. Here you go. Okay. That was the greatest day in my whole life. It was the start of something wonderful. That's why I wrote that book, The New Life, The Start of Something Wonderful. Because coming to Jesus and making your orthopraxy the same as your orthodoxy, is a miracle. You get a miracle. You get a miracle when Jesus comes in. Look at the changed lives around the Hope Grayling, uh, Gaylord here. Look at the changed lives. Jesus changes lives. Well, I'm so thankful to be here with you. I hear that the real Christians are in Gaylord. I hear there's only really one bad person in this church, and he's not here today. So, so we're going to have a great time. <laughs> I didn't really hear there's one bad person in this church, because I don't believe there's one bad person in this church. And if you, if you would talk to Pastor Norm, each one of you is angelic, almost. Let's stand and hold our Bible. If you got your Bible, hold it up for just a moment. Let's make a declaration together because this morning I'm going to share with you the three most important things because you're leaders. If you're a member of a Mount Hope Church, you're a leader. 
And Norm, Pastor Norm and Pastor Barb wants leaders in this church. I read a, a Facebook post that said, the church doesn't need more leaders. The church needs more voices crying in the wilderness. That sounded good, but I couldn't believe the dumb Christians that wrote, amen, amen, amen to that. Because that's the stupidest thing I've heard in a long time. The church needs less leaders. Sure, maybe we need more crying in the wilderness, but nothing happens without leadership. Nothing happens without leadership in your home. Nothing happens without leadership in your school, your town, your city, your church. Nothing happens without leadership. And so I'm going to talk to you about the three most important things to finish your life, to leave a legacy, and be fruitful. That's this morning. And if you come back tonight, my intercessors tell me, and we, we prayed probably three hours today already, and we had Zoom meetings. Mary Jo had a Zoom meeting with prayer partners. And I know something big is going to happen in your life tonight. I want you to say this with me. I believe the Bible. It is God's Word. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe that book. It shows me the way to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ alone. The book is filled with treasures promises and assets that belong to me by faith. Today, faith will come, my faith will grow, and I will release my faith for miracles in my life. I declare the devil bound, unable to pluck up the seed that's planted in my heart this day. God, open the eyes of my understanding. Give me ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Give me a heart to obey and help Pastor Dave preach real simple. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's so good to be with you. Thanks again, Pastor Norm, for having me here. It's always a joy being here. Now, you've probably heard that Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world, I'm here to tell you it's a lie now. Christianity is, and they call it a religion, the fastest growing religion in the world today. And revival is happening in the most unusual places. The top being Iran, controlled by an Islamic government that hates Christians, and the church is growing by 19% a year in Iran. The church is growing in communist China like crazy. And the reason they used to say Islam was the fastest growing religion is because they weren't counting the house churches all through China and other places where Christians are meeting secretly. Uh, years ago, there was an old prophet named Bob Jones, and those early modern prophets took a lot of flack. People hated him. The church hated him. But Bob Jones, before he died, said he had a vision of a billion souls harvest before the final end, before Jesus comes back with his church. There will be a billion souls harvest. Others have prophesied this. Smith Wigglesworth said basically the same thing. Uh, William Seymour, they found writings that he prophesied of this end-time revival that was going to surpass everything we have ever seen in all of history. And Charles Parham, what was Sister Parham's name? We knew her, Paula, Paula Parham, his daughter. Uh, but Charles Parham and William Seymour prophesied it at exactly the same time in two different locations. One was Hot Springs, Arkansas. The other was Los Angeles, Azusa Street. And before Jack Van Impey died, all he could talk about was, if you, if you saw him in the last days before he went to heaven, all he was talking about is the billion souls harvest. And, you know, I think it's really important that we make friends with people that are not really associated with 
the full gospel movement or charismatic or Pentecostal church. I became very good friends with Jack Van Impey. And so did Gloria Copeland's brother, whose name was Doug Neese. He just went to heaven last year. And, uh, and Doug Neese and I, we, we would always be talking to Dr. Jack about the Holy Spirit. He believed that you received the Holy Spirit when you got saved. One day it happened. I'm coming back. I was speaking to pastors in Indiana. The superintendent wanted me to teach eschatology to all the pastors. He wanted to make sure they understood the end times and what's happening. And so I'm driving back, and my phone rings. I answered it. And who was it? Jack Van Empey. Oh, Brother Dave, you were right, and I was wrong. I said, what do you mean? He said, this morning the Holy Spirit came to me, and I felt like I was speaking in every language there ever was. And he said, I felt like hopping up on the table and dancing. He said, but I couldn't get up there. <laughs> and, and all he could talk about from that point on is winning a billion people to Jesus. And it has begun. And thank God he hasn't hopped over Gaylord when he wanted to bring a billion souls harvest to this earth. Time is running out. Christianity is growing like crazy. And if you want to be in with it, let God take care of all the confusion and all the things that have stopped you from jumping in both feet and launching out into the deep and go all the way now. I remember a staff meeting. Maybe you were there, Pastor Norm. Staff meeting. I, were you, you were there when Gary Hallberg was there? Yeah. Okay, we were having a staff meeting. And I said, listen, you guys. There's so much going on in this world. This is not the time to be frogging around. And Gary Hallberg looked at me and he said, uh, Pastor Dave? Yes, Gary. What would be the time we should be frogging around? <laughs> And by the way, we want to welcome all of those of you that are watching us by live stream. We love you, and we thank God that you're tuned in. You're going to have an experience with Jesus Christ today. The Holy Spirit is in that room with you right now. So get ready for something good. I'm going to read from Genesis because we're seeing some really interesting things uh, happen. And this is just simple. God created man in his own image. This is Genesis 1, 27-28. In the image of God created he him, male and female. Oh, wow, only two genders. He created them. <laughs> then God blessed them. Who did he bless? Two genders, male and female. And said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Be productive and be reproductive. Now, I want you to know that doesn't simply, simply mean have as many kids as you can. It means you be productive with your life and reproductive. Reproduce the good fruit in your life by imparting to others. And that's what I'm going to do tonight. The Lord, while we were in prayer today, I really believe there are people in this church, Pastor Norm, that they're that close to walking in words of knowledge, supernatural words of knowledge. And you're going to need to walk in words of knowledge and words of wisdom, supernatural fragments of God's knowledge, supernatural fragments of God's wisdom in these days ahead, as well as discerning of spirits. And I believe these special gifts are going to be loosed tonight. I really believe that God is opening a portal and loosening, loosing through the Holy Spirit these precious gifts you're going to need in these last days. And so he said, he gave the best marketing plan ever here if you're in the marketplace. He said, be fruitful. That's your first obligation to be fruitful then multiply then fill the earth then subdue it or govern what you 
which you've produced, which you've reproduced. That would be like our Mount Hope network. We had 43 churches in Michigan. We had 200 in Asia, 300 in West Africa. We have to watch over it or at least touch base once in a while. And then in John 15, Jesus repeated something like that when he said, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. That is, that you be productive spiritually, attitudinally, and practically. We need a bigger lip on the podium. How many want to be fruitful? I know you do. How many want to be reproductive? I, and I mean, you want to... You know, we were talking, Pastor Norm was one of my first disciples. Pastor Norm, Kevin Berry, who now pastors Mount Hope and Lansing, and Ramon Gomez, who became our missions director, and I can't remember the others, but I remember you three. Oh, Barb? Yeah, Barb, of course. <laughs> Where's Barb? No, Barb, I get Barb. Well, she was the only woman. And, and look at the way she turned out. She is amazing. She is, one of, she is one of the most joyful, upbeat people I've ever known. I just love Barb. And Norm, Norm is the easygoing one. She's, she's the one that, and I loved her aunt, Fuchsia. The, she called her Aunt Dude for some reason, but Fuchsia loved, she'd always correct me. And I loved it because she did it this way. She, Pastor. I love you, and I want people to think the best of you. So I need to tell you, <clears throat> the word is, pro is pronounced propitiation, not propitiation. I did a whole sermon on the propitiation of Jesus, you know. And, and so she, she would teach me the words I was using wrong. Pastor, there is no such thing as fruitation. It's called fruition. I became a grammar scholar thanks to Aunt Dude. But the first thing we need in order to be fruitful for God and to really leave a legacy, and all of us want to leave a legacy in our kids and the people that we touch, we want to leave a legacy. I mean, you don't want the preacher to get up and, and say, well, beloved, we're here to pay tribute to this person who... Um, I think I think she loved flowers. Um, she she would never step on a caterpillar, and you know where you got to try to find something to say about you. You want to leave a legacy that that when you're gone, people miss you. They say, "Oh man, he had such an impact on my life." Nobody says you have to be a Billy Graham or an Oral Roberts. But you got to reproduce in other people what God has put in you. Now, the first key to being fruitful and leaving a legacy, which you want to do, I know you do, is you have to accept responsibility. Adam and Eve had to accept responsibility for that beautiful, luxurious place God gave them to live. They had to accept responsibility. You can't believe how many people I've heard when I've, I, and I've talked, done district conferences in many different states from the coast to the coast, from the border to the border. And when somebody is not being fruitful, I hear this from pastors. Well, you know, in my town, there's too many Masons. There's a lot of Masonic activity in my town. That's why it's really hard to get people into the church. 
Or there's too many Catholics. Or, oh, this is a Lutheran area. You know what I heard? I heard that Lansing, when I became pastor, Lansing is in the post-Christian era. What? I'm still one. And one spiritual guy told me that Lansing has too many political demons, so there can't be a big work of God here. Do you know if I would have listened to those people, Mount Hope would have stayed 125 members. But I said, you can go play with the political demons if you want. I, the Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. And so I said, if they're here, let's cast them out. Well, we started praying for the political people. And our church exploded with growth because we wouldn't accept the excuses people were making or trying to lay on me why, you know, don't, don't expect anything, don't expect, don't expect. I said, faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you don't hope for something, you got no faith because faith works when you hope for something and especially when you hope for something that is promised to you in God's word. If God said be fruitful, he's going to give me the means to be fruitful. And he's going to give me the means to be reproductive. Well, 1988, the mayor called. Pastor Williams, I want somebody that represents God to be the Grand Marshal in the Memorial Day Parade. And I would like you to lead us at the city cemetery in the service. And I want you to preach the sermon. What? Me? And so Mary Jo and I, the limousine, the convertible picked us up. We're going through the parade waving and people are waving. And I, I looked behind the car and here came all the senators and the, the uh, assembly people. The, the politicians were walking behind my car. It wasn't my car. It was somebody picked us up. We're waving. My kids are in the car with us. Pastor Williams, the grand marshal, because the mayor wanted somebody that represented God. He said, I want to show God that we need him in this town. You... That probably wouldn't happen if I belly ached about the city government all day long. Now, I said so much for political demons. We have to take our excuses and throw them out. Somebody else will find them. We have to accept responsibility. God placed you in Gaylord, Michigan, and maybe some of you in the outlying areas. And he placed you here for a purpose. And lethargy is not one of them. Sin is not one of them. Frogging around is not one of them. He placed, he placed us here in Gaylord, Michigan, because he wanted Gaylord to be a part of the billion souls harvest that he's bringing. That means every one of us, every one of us has a part. And I'm hoping to inspire you and motivate you and lift you today by the power of the Holy Spirit to show you that you have a part. You think you have no part. You have a part. But you say... God, I accept responsibility. You know, I have never been able to do what God asked me to do until I said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I didn't know how to do half of the, no, more than half, probably 90% of the things God asked me to do, I didn't know how to do them. But you never make your decision based on how am I going to do that. You make your decision based on what the Lord has put on your heart. You commit to it, and then he'll move heaven, and he'll move earth to get it done. But you got to throw those excuses out and accept full responsibility. One guy w went to work every day and he complained, another bologna sandwich, another bologna sandwich. And the guy next to him said, why don't you have your wife pack you something else? And he said, oh, she doesn't pack my lunch, I do. 
That's kind of the way it is. <laughs> Quit complaining. Josh Goodman, he's the care pastor at Mount Hope Lansing now. When he was in high school at Maple Valley High School, he had a dream about his football team. He played football, and he had a dream about his football team going to hell. It was horrible. He woke up at 3.30 that morning and prayed all morning. And Josh was, he was not a, a real bold kind of a guy. He didn't know how to win souls, really. He was just quiet. And, but he got up and he prayed, and God said, you got to tell him. And that day, after football practice in the locker room, he said, guys, would you gather around? I, I want to talk to you for a minute. He says, I'm really scared. But last night I had a dream, and he, in, in, in five minutes he presented the gospel of Jesus Christ, how Jesus died on the cross for us, and we can receive him, and all of our sin will be forgiven. All of our sins, everyone, will be forgiven, and Jesus will give us a new nature. And that night, the entire football, except for one guy who was sick that night and couldn't make the practice, the entire football team accepted Jesus in the locker room. And, and uh, oh, it was so exciting. Now Josh is walking home, and this girl driving a car who never noticed Josh before pulls up and said, hey, Josh. And Josh walks over to the car. She said, I heard something happened in the boys' locker room today. Uh, could you tell me about it? And he said, yeah. She said, here, let me give you a ride. So he's getting a ride, and he's telling this girl, the next thing you know, He's praying the prayer of salvation with this girl. And you know what? There are crazy people out there that call themselves professors that say the prayer of salvation is silly. And they say altar calls are silly. They say it's a circus-like atmosphere in some of these churches. Just shut them down. Shut them off. Moses or, drew a line in the sand and he said, you that are with me on this side, you that are not are on that side. And that's what an altar call does. It helps people confess Jesus publicly. And then all the angels are talking about it in heaven, having a party, pizza party in heaven. That's why we have invitations for people to come to Jesus. If Chuck Smith didn't have an invitation, who knows if I would have been saved. So, forgot what we were talking about. Mary, Mary Sarbo and I went, went to the same school, same high school. She was probably like six years behind me because she's so young. You were two years behind me? <laughs> oh, two years behind me, okay. Well, I guess we're, see, when you, this does not happen at my age. Now, what was I talking Oh, Oh, Josh, yeah. Okay, so the girl happened to be the sister of the football player that was absent that day. She went home and talked to her brother about it, and she, the first day she got saved, she led her brother to the Lord the day the entire Maple Valley football team accepted Jesus in one day because Josh had a dream and he had the courage to say something. The billion souls harvest is upon us. Now's the time. Maybe there's somebody at McDonald's. You, you see they have a they have a, a look on their face of concern. And you say, you can say, is there anything I can pray with you about? You look troubled today. Now they'll either slap you or they'll, they'll say, uh, yeah, there is. Would you? It's happened to us. A waitress will be serving us. And I'll say, we're going to pray over our food. Is there anything we can pray with you about? Oh, yeah, my sister's going through this or that. Oh, we're going to pray for her right now. And Watch how people respond to you. It's crazy. It's crazy. People are open like, like the only ones that are not open are those that are really twisted. You know, you know what twisted means? Wicked, like wicker. Same word, twisted, wicked. Let's see. You're still with us. So number one is we, we have to accept responsibility for where God placed us. Boy, tonight, and listen, those of you that are 
that are watching online right now, why don't you get back tonight at 6.30? 6? 6 o'clock? No, 30. 6 o'clock, uh, because I really believe the Holy Spirit is going to release some powerful things tonight, and I'll talk to you about impartation. I also want to talk to you about some of the dark personalities that you're going to meet as a leader, and uh, it's pretty fascinating. But mostly, I want you to receive uh, something from the Lord. Okay, so number one is we, we have to accept responsibility. Number two is we all, as Christians, believers, followers of Jesus, must learn to engage the prophetic realm. I call it engaging the prophetic realm. God is always speaking. You see, I'm an ordained Assemblies of God minister. I was 24 years in district leadership and 12 years in national leadership. I'm Assemblies of God. I believe their doctrine. I, I just, I love the brethren. I love them. Even, even the bad ones, and there are a couple bad ones, but I still love them, but they're twisted. I, I, honestly, I heard an Assemblies of God preacher say one time, I don't know why the blood of Jesus is so important. It's nothing but blood. I said, man, you need to, somebody needs to kick you out right now. What, what would we be without the blood of Jesus? And so uh, here's number two. It, it, we began as an apostolic and prophetic movement. And then when there started being abuses, we backed away from it. And we became more bureaucratic and more um, consensus-driven rather than Holy Spirit-driven I say we need to be apostolic and we need to be prophetic. And we need to teach people how to hear the voice of God. You can't lead by consensus. And it's proven in the Bible everywhere. There's not one committee that ever succeeded in the Bible except one. And that's the committee that decided to crucify Jesus. They had to put him to death. That's the only committee that ever achieved anything, and look what it was they achieved. No, we need apostolic leadership. Every one of you, every one of you is called to be a leader in some way, whether it's a marketplace or the ministry, but you're even in ministry in the marketplace. I think we've overlooked the marketplace too much. But look at Hobby Lobby. Thank God for Hobby Lobby. But the marketplace, we need to honor these, what I call them, marketplace apostles that are doing something, inspiring other marketplace believers and doing something for God. With God, I should say. Because I don't work for God anymore. I work with God. I found that's a lot easier. One pastor lady in the church fund, and I'm not talking about weird prophecies either. One lady found out her pastor had sent a resume to another church. So at the prayer meeting, she prophesied, Thus saith the Lord, I say unto thee, I know thou art looking for greener pastures, saith the Lord, but I say unto you, the cow dung smells just as bad over there as it does here, so stay put. <laughs> What I mean by engaging the prophetic realm is God is always speaking. But we get too distracted and busy. Our lives are full of stuff. And it's difficult to hear what God is saying, what God is speaking. God will speak to you. But there was a lady that was blind that came to our church and, and uh, we, we had prayer Every day we'd, I mean, every Sunday we'd have a time to pray the prayer of faith for people. And I didn't know this lady. 
But uh, she told me after the service, yeah, I was blind, now I can see. I said, oh, praise the Lord, I was blind, now I see. Amen, amazing grace. She said, no, I was blind. And I wasn't going to give her the microphone, I didn't know her. And I said, well, would you go back to your doctor and verify that and have him call me this week? She, she said, yes, sir. And that week, Dr. Zender from Saginaw, or around Frankenmuth, is that where he's from? Sent me a letter, Pastor Williams. Uh, I, I, um, he told me Ruby had this condition, and he told me what the condition was. She, she wanted me to write you and uh, gave me permission to tell you it, this disease, it's incurable, it never gets better. I examined Ruby today, Pastor Williams, this is nothing short of a miracle. I didn't pray for Ruby. There was a little lady in the congregation that felt led to just walk up, lay her hands on Ruby as we were praying the prayer of salvation. She laid her hands on Ruby, and Ruby was led back to her seat, and throughout the whole service, her sight, you know, I see men as trees walking, and then it became clearer and clearer until the end of the service she could see. You know what? For years, Ruby followed me around because when I told the story, she was afraid people wouldn't believe it, so she would stand up and say, I'm Ruby, I'm Ruby. God may be calling you, you know, it, God's calling you to get in these seats because there's somebody here that you have a gift to release into. Hear the prophetic realm. God is speaking by His Spirit. He's always speaking. And what's He speaking? He's speaking His love, but He wants to give you revelation, and that means take the cover off. There's some things that need to have the cover taken off. I could not, you know, Pastor Norm, you've probably just had it real easy here in Gaylord. <laughs> I didn't have it so easy in Lansing. And I know you didn't. I know you had to clean up hu human manure and everything else here. If I didn't learn to engage the prophetic realm and know things that I couldn't know any other way, I could not have successfully pastored that church. And whether you're in business, ministry, or whatever you do, listen, I, I say parents, you need to engage the prophetic realm if you've got young teenage kids, because you can prevent a lot of stuff. My daughter used to look at me and say, Dad, you're spooky. <laughs> I should have bought her that record. Spooky. So a prophetic word can change everything. I used to go to the boiler room at the church, the smelly boiler room, because nobody would find me there. Nobody would... And that's where I'd hear from God. I, I wouldn't come out of that stinky boiler room where the... Have you ever smelled a musty mop? That's what that boiler room smelled like, but nobody could find me there. And you know, if you're not available, you're not available. I was having a session with Jesus. Nobody knew where to look, and nobody wanted to go into that smelly boiler room. I would stay there till I heard from God. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll tell you a couple stories tonight about that that will encourage you. But Luke Mardigan, he, he was on the Lansing Police Force. And he asked the Lord, he, he said, Lord, what is the key to stopping drugs in this town? That mess? And the Lord said, get the guns from the criminals. Do you know... He arrested more people, did more drug busts, gun busts on people that weren't supposed to have guns uh, than the FBI, the state police, and the city police all put together, and the SWAT team all put together. He busted more. 
And I said, how do you do it, Luke? He said, well, I do what you said. I, I go into the kingdom and ask, go into that invisible kingdom, and I say, God, where are they? And then he'll give me a clue where they are. I engage the prophetic realm, and God tells me what to do. He was cleaning up the city. So here it is. We've got to accept responsibility. Number two, we, we must learn to engage the prophetic realm, and I'll help you along those lines tonight. And third and finally is we got to keep getting back up again. You know what I mean? How many have ever felt lower than a snake's belly? How many here ever dime self and felt lower than a dime on the ground? You got to keep getting back up again. You know, life life will sometimes throw you a curveball. I don't know why that is. I wish God would tell us everything that we're going to face tomorrow. But sometimes we have setbacks. We have misunderstandings. And we all love those, don't we? By the way, Aaron, you did an excellent job um, speaking to us today about the tithes and offerings. Thank you for that message. That, that was a great devotion worth taking away. And this worship team, Mary, it was so good to see you up here singing on the worship team and all these, the harmony. I, I poked Pastor Norm. I said, they've got such beautiful harmony. And the, their voices just really honor Jesus. I mean, I, I liked I really liked it. And it didn't go on for an hour and a half. You know, there's a time that's too much. When you, you get into the Holy of Holies, sometimes you get jerked back when there's another song after you're already there. And nobody wants to be responsible for jerking somebody back out of the Holy of Holies. It was perfect. I, I couldn't, I, I, I mean, I'm not here to critique anything, but it was really perfect, that worship service today. To me now there'll be somebody well it should have been longer well it should have been louder should have been lower i know i know i was a pastor it was always like that temperature was too hot or too cold it... okay honey where was i again <laughs> last point keep getting back up we had vision 86 which was our first big building program and it was our 3,000 seat worship center and it was my first big building program. And, you know, my friend Ron McManus said, when you're in a building program, there's a demon in every rock. <laughs> now, he was saying that, joking around because of all the trouble. My friend Larry Osborne down in Ocean Beach, he said, I'm not building anymore because I always have to go through an obligatory lawsuit of some kind. And so it's true. The devil doesn't want the church to take ground. He doesn't want you to take ground. That's why when you're buying a new house, usually there will be some, some sort of confusing thing. That's breaking today in Jesus' name, by the way. I don't trip. I do random gravity checks. <clears throat> For those of you watching the live stream, I'm reading a lady's sweatshirt. Or T-shirt, I guess it is. Anyway, Vision 86, huh? She keeps getting back up, yeah. I don't trip. I do random gravity checks. That, that's the whole point of this. That's why I read that. What was the point of this? Oh, keep getting back up. We had to change the name from Vision 86 to Vision 86 plus one because we were one year late. Then when we had Challenge 94, when we were building the the event center and the youth action center and the children's center. That was called Challenge 94. Well, if you look on the building engraved, 1995. <laughs> so it was 94 plus one. You know, does that mean we failed? I tell people, if, if you're going to jump, 
jump for the ceiling. And if you don't hit the ceiling, you're going to get a lot of the way there. You're going to get somewhere. If you don't jump, you're going to get nowhere. So you got to learn, we all got to learn this to keep getting back up again. Sure, you've had some bad thing happen in your life. I, I tell people this, don't give up on everybody because you were hurt by somebody. Don't give up on everybody because you were hurt by somebody. Get back up again. I'm so thankful that Jesus, when he went to the cross and was put in that tomb, he didn't decide, you know, those people are a mess. I'm just going to stay dead, my body. And I'm just going to go back to the Father and enjoy the rest of eternity. No. What did he do? He got up again. He got up. I love it when I see some of these African-American churches singing, he got up, yeah, he got up, yeah, he got up, yeah, he got up, yeah, he got up. However they do, they don't, I used to listen to C.L. Franklin on the radio from Detroit, you know, and he got up. He came out of that tomb. We sang about it this morning. He got up. He's showing us keys to fruitfulness. One, accept responsibility. God placed you in a family. Take responsibility for that family. God placed you in a neighborhood, if he placed you in a neighborhood. Take responsibility for that neighborhood or a neighbor or the, 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 the server at the restaurant. Take responsibility for the city. Take responsibility for the village. Take responsibility somehow. Well, I don't know how to do that. God will show you. If you commit, he will show you how. And you won't be able to do it, so you're going to have to let him do it through you. Amen. And so, number one, accept responsibility. Number two, learn to engage the prophetic realm. And I'm going to help you more on that tonight. And number three, if you get knocked down, get back up again. Don't be one of these whiny, feel sorry for me. You know, I got a tack in my rear end. <laughs> Will you pray for me? Well, I'm not anointing you with oil. You know? <laughs> You know, why don't you just take the tack out let it heal? You know, that's what I tell people. People always want to talk about somebody. They, they sing B.J. Thomas, another somebody done somebody wrong song, you know. If, if, if life hands you a bad deal, get back up again. You know why? Because God can take that bad deal and turn it into a miracle for you. God can take your mess and turn it into a miracle. He took a lot of Abraham's messes and turned them into miracles, and he can do the same for you if you get back up again. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Yeah. Father, thank you so much for bringing Mary Jo and me to Gaylord, the Hope. Thank you for Pastor Norman Barb all the workers, the leaders that you're raising up here, pace setters. And Lord, I pray that even next week as pace setting leadership begins again here, I pray that the students will become prophetic, apostolic, responsibility carriers so they can put that responsibility on you. And Lord, from here on out, help us to walk arm in arm with the angels and arm in arm with each other as we look for this billion souls harvest to manifest. We thank you. While our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. From my heart, I want to thank you for the attention you gave me today. But maybe... You're not sure if your heart were to quit beating. You're really ready to meet Jesus. You don't know if you ever publicly confessed him or not. I know how to pray a miracle prayer for you. 
and it only takes 30 seconds that will give you the assurance that your sins are forgiven and that you have a home in heaven when you leave this life. Now, how many here know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if your heart were to quit beating, you're ready to meet Jesus. You remember that time when you were born again. You remember that time when you renounced your sins and you accepted Jesus as your Savior. Slip your hands way up high, all you believers and followers of Jesus, to thank you. Hands are going up all over, and there's some that did not go up because you didn't want to lie. You can put your hands down now. If you're here today and you'd like me to pray that miracle prayer with you, to be sure that all your sins are forgiven, to be sure that you'll be welcomed into heaven when this life is over, or if the trumpet were to sound and Jesus was to come, you're going to be ready to meet him in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. You want to have that assurance. You're not really sure right now, but you'd like to have that assurance. I can help you with this miracle. Pray at the count of three. Slip your hand up, and I'm going to pray with you. One, two, three, right now. Hands are going up. God bless you. God bless you, 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 you. Yes, hands are going up all over. Let's everybody stand to our feet for just a moment. Now, those of you that raised your hands, we're all going to help you in this prayer. I want you to say it loud enough to where your ear can hear your own voice. And we're going to pray this prayer. I call it the prayer of salvation. But it's a confession of who Jesus is and that we want forgiveness. We want to have Jesus in our lives. And to as many as received him, gave he them power to become sons of God. Now right now, the angels are preparing to party in heaven because of you. There were about seven people that raised their hands. And what I want you to do is, is I want you to, after we pray this, I want you to tell somebody, I prayed with Pastor Dave. And you that are watching online, live stream, if you want to pray that, I want you to get down right now by your device and stretch out your hand this way and pray this with me as I pray it with the folks here in the building. you got to mean it from your heart. Are you ready? With all of us that are followers of Jesus, let's help them out. Say this with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you were raised from the dead. And right now, on September 12th, 2021, I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior and my only hope of ever having a home in heaven. Thank you, Lord. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. And I have a home in heaven. Amen. Amen. It just happened. Thank you, those of you that had the courage to raise your hand and and make sure you do these two things. Number one, talk to somebody and tell them you prayed that prayer. And number two, if you don't have a new, do you have new life books? If you don't have a new life book, feel free to come down. And I'm sure there's some altar workers here that will, uh, where do they go? Right over there? Okay, if you go right over there, she's going to give you a free copy of my book, The New Life, The Start of Something Wonderful. It'll give you a really great start. And I hope to see you uh, I hope to see you all back tonight because I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be powerful. The Lord's got something up His sleeve for tonight, and God bless you. Thanks again, and Pastor Norm.